My topic is maximizing your income. How many of you can stand to make a little bit more money? Raise your hand. I picked the right sermon. You picked the right Sunday to come. Join me in your Bibles in Matthew 25. For the past six weeks, and this being the sixth and final sermon in the series called the 1322 Challenge, I've been talking about what does it mean to manage our monies in such a way that we can fulfill Proverbs 13.22, which says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So the Bible is teaching us that God wants us to not just think about ourselves when it comes to financial management, but to think about a legacy that we leave behind. And for you who may not have children, and then certainly not grandchildren, you still have a responsibility biblically and theologically to think about how you can impact in a positive way the generations that follow you based on how you carry yourselves financially. Jesus teaches oftentimes using parables. And I bring you now to what's referred to, be the, referred to as the parable of the bags of gold. It used to be called the parable of the talents. Modernized, modernized translation uses the term parables of the bags of gold. Verse 14 says, Again, it will be like, that is the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with the two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. Jesus really knows how to lay it on the line. 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus deal with money, possessions of money, and the management of money. This parable is dealing with making money. And anytime you read a parable, there's always categories of persons that you got to look at carefully because you'll find yourself somewhere in one of those categories. In this parable, there are two categories. Over here were the three servants. One who was given five bags of gold, another two bags of gold, and the third one bag of gold. And then over here, the second category or groupings was the master. The master is where we, he represents God. He gave opportunity based on their ability. He saw the distinction in them and dealt with them accordingly. Over here, these servants, we're there somewhere among them. Now, I want you to draw back with me in time. Before the master went on his journey, he said, Guys, come, come, come here. I, I'm going on a journey, and I need to talk with you. So the guys came. And the master said, I have some gold that I want to give you. And to one servant, based on his ability, the master gives five bags of gold. I didn't know if you knew that these bags that he gave was white. <laughs> and to another, the master, he gave two bags of gold based on his ability. Mindful of the difference in ability, he gives one bag of gold to this servant. Now, I want you to understand culturally and theologically and historically, one bag of gold is equal to $19,000. So this guy received 38,000. This servant received 95,000. Also, culturally, one bag of gold, which is equivalent to $19,000, was equivalent based on a, day's, a day laborer's rate. This one bag of gold, it, it totaled 20 years worth of work. So this guy's received 100 years worth of work if he's a day laborer. So I want you to understand that. And so the master gave them gold based on their abilities. And then he went on a journey. And he's telling them in essence, work my money. I want you to see yourself in the story. Each of us has a different level of ability. Different level of skills, different level of giftings, different kinds of gifts, but we share one common thing. We're called to all be managers, stewards of what God has gifted us. And he goes on a journey. The Bible is silent as to how long he went away. But we do know that he went for a long time, the scripture says. And then what was most telling, that when he returned from his journey, like any good master, he called his servants to give an account. 
So the master returns, says, servants, give an account. This one servant who initially had five bags of gold, wow, you doubled it, you have ten bags. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This other servant, I initially gave you two bags of gold. You doubled it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you rule over many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, this third servant... I gave you one bag of gold, and you brought back the same bag of gold. The conversation is about to turn, and so guys, excuse yourselves for a moment, because I want to prepare others that they don't fall into the same trap as the guy with the one bag of gold. If I was that guy's pastor and he received 20 years worth of gold, $19,000, and he had no clue as to what to do, and he set a time to meet with me, he said, Pastor, I, I need your advice. I need your counsel. What do I do? I, I, I've been entrusted with $19,000. I, I don't know how to monetize and increase it. I don't know what to do. What do I do? How do I grow my financial nest egg and my income? The first thing I would say to him, if you want to make money and maximize your income, you need to do what you enjoy. Most of the times we make it so difficult, the whole idea of making money. If you want to maximize your income, do what you enjoy. Because what you enjoy, it doesn't drain you. In fact, it gives you energy. It gives you excitement. It gives you enthusiasm. And when you're able to do work that makes you happy, the feelings of pleasure and passion and purpose, all of that, it attracts people that want to pay you because they love to see happy workers. And happy workers do a good job in what they do because they love what they do. And so, if you want to make money, don't overlook the simplicity of doing what you enjoy. Let me ask you this question. What do you enjoy doing? What gives you a deep sense of satisfaction? What brings a deep sense of pleasure to you. Do it. Monetize it. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, God says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. I want you to see that the Bible is saying, God has no problem with money. 
And he has no problem with you making money. He has no problem with you making lots of money. The only problem is if you start to idolize money. And you make money your priority rather than God your priority. God says, look, I give you the power, the ability, the, you know, the, the capacity to produce wealth. There's nothing immoral, nothing unethical, nothing unscriptural about you making money. God says, make money. In fact, you can't be someone that fulfills Proverbs 13, 22, leaving an inheritance for your children's children unless you have money. What are you going to leave them? You got to make money. So that means that God's given you the wherewithal to make money. That's why he says that a wise person leaves an inheritance for his children or their children's children, which is suggesting then that we have the capacity and the wherewithal. Why? He's given us the ability to make money. Now, I want you to see that the scripture shows the way you make money is by working, not praying. If I stood around and said, God, give me 10 bags of gold. I'm sitting in my house, just waiting. Doorbell rings. I go and look through the people. There's a guy standing there with 10 bags of gold. He said, the Lord sent me because you've been praying. That's not how prayer works. Our responsibility is to work to get money. Prayer, it gives us access to creativity, access to partnerships, access to strategy, access to the wisdom of God. And so that's what happens. We ought not to confuse the issues. Making money is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. That's why the master in the scripture, reflective of God, commended the servant who doubled the five bags, doubled the two bags, and then he had a problem with the guy with the one bag. We'll get to that. But I want you to see that if I was going to give that guy with the one bag of gold advice before he went and dug a hole in the ground, I would say to him, go and do what you enjoy. In fact, do you enjoy sports? Why not get a part-time job as a local ref? See, money is attracted to happy people. When you're out there, you're not just chasing up and down the field, whether it's soccer or football or the court for basketball. You're not saying, man, I hate this. If you hate it, don't be a ref. But if you love sports, be a ref. Because you'll be happy. You'll fulfill your sports athleticism vicariously through those players as, you, as you're calling the different areas of the game. Money is attracted to happy people. So you got to do what you enjoy. I don't know if you ever heard of the former NFL player, Al Bubba Baker. Bubba's his nickname. He played for 12 years in the NFL, becoming one of the most feared pass rushers the league has ever seen. In fact, in 2004, Sports Illustrated voted him the ninth greatest pass rusher in NFL history. Well, when Al Bubba Baker retired after 12 seasons in the NFL, he was stuck. What, what do I do? I mean, he's in his middle age. He has a whole other lifetime, so to speak, uh, left to, to live. What, what am I going to do? And he answered the question by asking himself, what do I enjoy? You know what he said? I enjoy making ribs. And so he and his daughter, Brittany, opened up a rib joint. And in 2014, they were just making $154,000 in sales. They went on the show called Shark Tank. And one of the sharks, Damon John, 
said, for 30% equity in your business, I'll give you $300,000 to scale up your business. And they did. Then back in 2017, in April, they brought, it, brought back on Al Bubba Baker, said, give us an update. And when he gave an update, the world was shocked. His, his sales had, has ballooned up to $16 million. All he did was to do what he enjoyed. Some of you enjoy ribs, but you enjoy eating it. <laughs> I want you to see that the advice, sometimes we make it too complicated. If we're going to maximize our income, start right there. Do what you enjoy. You know what else I would have told that servant? Do what you're good at. See, what you're good at comes easy and natural to you. It's so effortless that sometimes we don't even realize we're good at it. We think everybody else should be good at that. But they may not be. You're good at it. And that's God's natural wiring for you. I remember having the conversation with my youngest daughter when she was still a child. At that time, she may have been 10, 11, 12 years old. And I'm driving her to school. I'm saying, Jessica, and we're talking about personality. And I'm helping her to understand how God's wired her and how God's wired me and how different we are from each other. And the difference is fine. And I said, I'm wired for crisis. She said, what do you mean by that, Dad? I said, I don't fall apart during crisis. Uh, I, it's not a bad thing or a good thing, but I realize that's just how I'm wired. So put me in any kind of crisis. I'm, my, I'm stayed, I'm focused. And do you know that I've learned to monetize that very wiring? So I take off my pastor's hat, I put on my consulting hat, and I'm brought into all kinds of organizational crisis and mayhem. And I help bring solution in that based on my natural wiring. So I'm asking you, what, what, what are you good at doing based on your natural wiring? See, this servant with the one bag of gold, $19,000, the story would have ended totally differently and his master would have given him words of affirmation, approval, advancement. But instead he dug a hole in the ground and then he received from his master Criticism, correction, and condemnation. Why? Because he just was playing it safe. And so many of us are doing that very thing. We're sitting at home saying, man, I, I need to get out of debt. I need to make some money. And we're sitting there saying, God, help me to make some money. And I'm telling you, I'm answer to your prayer. Do what you're good at doing. Why are you... Trying to spiritualize, I want the Lord to speak to me. He just spoke. <laughs> Do what you're good at doing. So what are you good at doing? Monetize it. What do you do that when you do it, others praise you? Monetize it. What are you called upon frequently by others to do? They say, you're very good at that. Would you help me do that? Monetize it. Are you good at teaching? Here's a lady, an American lady, teaching English online. She's sitting in her living room and teaching a young girl from China English through the internet, online. She's monetized it. It's amazing. In fact, one of the online teaching platforms, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, 
It provides all kinds of courses. You can teach someone how to become a clown online. You can teach someone about horseback riding online, assuming you're good at horseback riding. You can even teach someone who says, I need to know what to text a girl what I want to ask out on a date. It's there. One guy who says, for $12.99, I'll help you figure out what to text a girl so you could, that you want to invite out on a date. Don't laugh. The brother's getting paid. I mean, I can do that. In fact, if you're a single guy, let me tell you what to say. And I'll, I'll undercut what he's doing just for 10 bucks. He said, well, what, what should I say? Sweetheart, every time I think about you, a smile comes on my face. I'd love to, even as I'm, text, I'm giving you this text right now, I'm smiling. Let me help you build a 1322 life. I'll, un I'll let you know what that means over dinner this Friday night. And then you ask me, should I put my name now? Yeah, put your name. Should I send it now? No, no, no. no. Put a smiley face. Put a smiley face. Now send it. Ten bucks. I'm just, the idea is, you may say, well, how'd you know how to do that? Well, how do you think I've married for 36 years? I got lines. <laughs> the idea is that you have to, just don't try to do things that's not you. You'll hate it. If you want to maximize your income, do what you're good at doing. Nearly 11 million people used to tune in weekly to watch The Dog Whisperer with Caesar Milan. And where he grew up in Mexico, dirt poor farm, the people in the community used to call him El Perero, which means the dog man, because dogs made sense to him. Today, he's running Caesar Milan Incorporated, a hundred million dollars per year business, speaking engagements, his show, executive leadership seminars, a line of organic dog foods, fortified water, shampoos, and toys that sell that are sold at Petco. Kinds of stuff. Why? Because dogs make sense to him. He's doing what he's good at doing. Let me ask you what are you good at doing? Why are you devaluing that? Not everybody's good at doing that. You're good at doing that. Monetize it. Just don't make money, money be your God. Let God be your God. And let him trust you with money. God has no hang up with money. You shouldn't have a hang up with money either. You may say, Pastor, why are you teaching about how to make money? I'll tell you why. Because I want to see you become a multimillionaire. My job is to help you become and to fulfill your potential in every area of your life. As a husband, as a wife, as a single guy, as a person who works. My job is to help you fulfill your financial potential. And so when you come into your kingdom, don't drive around with 10 Rolls Royce saying, I just have 10 for just, I just switched them out based on the color of my wardrobe. No, 
I need you to throw your money in the kitty and help us expand the kingdom of God because there are lots of you that need to get saved. And so keep that as your focal point. So what are you good at doing? Go do it. What do you enjoy doing? Go do it. And you may say, well, I, I, I'm not good at anything. Uh, and there's nothing I really enjoy. Well, you know what I would advise that servant with the one bag of gold? Do something to solve people's problems. See, people are willing to pay good money to have their problems solved. In fact, if you ever go on the website prizes.org, it's a crazy website. People go on there who have a problem and they say, can you give me an answer? Can you help a mom get her two-year-old to eat three meals a day? She'll pay you 25 bucks. Can you help a chef come up with a new chocolate dessert? He'll pay you 25 bucks. In other words, there, it, there, there are ways you can, you're good with solutions. Help someone solve their problem. You may say 25 bucks, that's nothing. Well, do it a thousand times. While you're on your cell phone, you're just walking, talking with your friend. They say, what are you doing? So I'm making 25 bucks. Do something that solves people's problems. See, if you can provide a solution to someone's problem, it increases their quality of life and decreases their levels of problems, and they'll be more than happy to compensate you. I don't know if you've ever heard of the potty whisperer. Here's a woman, she's very good at helping kids get potty trained. That's her side hustle. And she has a range in price from $450 to $3,800 based on how many 90-minute sessions you want, you know, as well as follow-up phone calls or texts to send to you. She charges you $450 to $3,800 to help you train your kid how to use the potty. You said, I can do that. How come you're not doing it? There's money in potty training because you're helping people solve their problem. One of the family members of one of the members of our church to pay his way through college used to go around picking up geese poop in people's backyards. Some people say, ill. Don't say ill. There's money in poop. See, people don't want to clean up their backyards. And so this kid walks around with a little shovel and broom and cleans it up, pays his way through college, no tuition bill. See, there's money in poop. And so the point I'm bringing out is that you have to learn to solve people's problems. Here's what I've discovered. Change your thinking changes your income. There's some things you have to stop thinking and other things you have to start thinking. This servant, had he stopped following and started leading, the outcome would have been totally different. Following is you're waiting for someone to bark out orders. Go here, do this, do that. He was there stuck waiting because there's nobody telling him what to do. The master, not micromanage him. I'm going on a journey. Here's $19,000. He's waiting for someone to bark out orders. No, you got to practice self-leadership. So the things you got to stop doing. 
Stop making excuses. Start making money. Now, if we're going to applaud, let's do it together. Come on, let's do it. I mean, listen to this servant's excuses. The guy with the one bag of gold. Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You gather where you have not even scattered seed. You reap where you have not even sown. So, I was afraid. He's blaming his master. But the master, I love this about, about the parable. And Jesus was helping it on, us understand it. The master said, if you knew I was hard, the, the least you should have done is taken that one bag of gold, $19,000, and put it in the bank. So that when I returned, I would have gained back not only that 19000 but the interest associated with it. Now the Bible is silent as how long that master went on a journey. So let's put the figure of one year. Interest rate in first century Israel was 12%. If you took $19,000 and put it in a bank at 12% interest, it yields $2,280. Had that master returned in one year, he would have returned not to get $19,000, but to get $19,000 plus the $2,280 to come up with $21,280 had that servant who was lazy recognized just the basic thing, invest the money in a bank if you're afraid of me. And I love this about the parable. The parable is saying that Jesus is calling us to make money. And God's saying, look, I've given you gifts, I've given you potential, I've given you abilities, I've given you assets, I've given you capacity, I'm not micromanaging you, I want you to maximize your income potential so that you can expand my kingdom. I want you to see that scripture. And I love the fact that the master did not apologize for his desire to make money. And neither should you. So I would have told the servant, stop procrastinating and start producing. You know, you, he talked, he thought, he took time to rationalize rather than just get out there and do it. Stop feeding fear and start feeding faith. See, fear is paralyzing. It makes you mobile. What happens if this? Okay, what happens if that? What happens if I fail? Okay, you fail. Get back up. You're not the first, first person to fail and you're not the first person to succeed even after failure. You got to make your, you, you take your risk. That's part of the, you know, the, you know the, it's part of the cost of doing business. There's risk associated. Stop giving up and start getting up. And when you do that, you get an opportunity to say, man, I'm changing my thinking. Now, this is a great time to pull out your smart device. This is free stuff. And free stuff, you know, you're going to make some money off that. And, and when you make money off this stuff, just, and you use it for your own, you're making a presentation, just... Put my name somewhere in the corner, in the corner. Or else my intellectual property attorney just gives you a nice letter. That's intellectual property. I'm just kidding. Use my stuff. That's why you're getting it. But I want you to see that. Let God give you a shift in your thinking. Did you know there's money in solving people's problems with junk? 
Omar Solomon and Nick Friedman, while in their 20s, co-founded a company, College Hunks, hauling junk. In 2017, they had generated $100 million worth of business. What did they do? They just moved people's junk in their house or removed it from their house. Today, you can even buy a franchise for $200,000. It's amazing. They're just solving people's problems. I want you to see that this is something that it's low-hanging fruit. And God has called us to live a lifestyle where we can be able to effect change, upward change in our money-making capacity and abilities. We just have to realize there's work involved. It's going to take some adjustments. It's going to take willingness. But guess what? We can do this with the help of God. And imagine how your children and grandchildren will feel or the next generation will feel when you are able to leave a legacy to them, spiritual legacy and even a financial legacy because Proverbs 13.22 was so indelibly printed upon your heart. Solomon says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And the way the parable ended, it's so, so eye-opening. Jesus said, take this bag of gold from him. He's unprofitable, which and, which, and wicked means he's is, is, is less value. It's not moral wickedness, but it's value in regards to his ability. Take the bag from him and give it to the one who has ten. And some may say, that's not fair. He has nothing now. God says, I want to advance my kingdom. The beauty of this passage is that our self-worth is not based upon our net worth. But our net worth will certainly help to grow our self-worth. And when you, you may say, well, what do you mean by that? When you feel good about yourself, that you're working and you're doing the things that you're gifted to do, and you're doing the things that you enjoy, and you're solving people's problems, and you're bringing a sense of value to them and to the broader community, you're going to feel so good about yourself. This parable teaches us this fundamental truth. God's called us. He's called you to maximize your income. And I want to leave you with that.